be or not to be. Faithless is he that says farewell in the road dark. Do what is meaningful and not as expedient. That is the question. Bros before bros. Welcome back to the Pros Before Bros podcast. I am your co-host, Kenny Chester, and with me is my co-host, James Crocker. James, what's good, man? Uh, man, I'll tell you what. I have, uh, you know, it's a new year. New year. I was going to try to do some things a little better this year than I did last year. I was browsing through Libby, seeing what was available, and I said, "Hey, here's a book Kenny recommends highly." I, I, and I have I have tried to read this book, and it, it was even featured on the episode that you know books we didn't finish, and that's yeah. Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm, and so I, I said, give it another go. I, I'm going to give it another go, and I even took a screenshot of it and sent it to you and said, "I'm going to give this one another shot." <laughs> well, you, yeah, that's, that's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to do any spoilers of those that hadn't seen the musical, but you are throwing away your shot. <laughs> so, so how many hours are you into it at this point? I'm, I'm about three hours in. My Lord. <laughs> I don't know how you could be which, so which, tired. <laughs> which, by the way, is about 8%. I, think. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, I would think, like, man, I've been trying it, and you know, I'm 15 hours in. I ain't getting it. So I'm three hours in, and I'm not. I understand. I understand completely. Like, like the thing is, like, I'm listening to it, and I'm, I'm making myself listen to it. And then I get a notification. Hey, this other book's ready. I'm like, oh, looky here. Yeah, something I want to read. <laughs> so I get that. But while we're on the subject, I, uh, I've actually read uh, a book um, in the last couple of weeks that you recommended. It's the first book that we did on the podcast, Think Again by Adam Grant. And I can say it might have been in my top, uh, my top, what would we do? Top 10 or top five? Uh, we did top five, didn't we? we did top five. Yeah. It, probably, it might have been in my top five last year if I'd have read it last year. It was a fantastic yes, book. book. It And if you're listening to this episode after the previous episode where I just savaged Simon Sinek, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I didn't get this with Adam Grant. I enjoyed everything he had to say. His stories were amazing. His thoughts were incredible. Um, I don't even remember. I remember talking to you that night about it, but I don't remember. You know, We were trying to figure out what the show was going to be like, how much right, details right. we were going to get in, but man. And there was some good stuff. I remember when he said Mountain Stupid and he talked about the Dunning-Kruger. I thought that was really, really good. But also, I loved his stuff on uh, the imposter syndrome. I loved yes. the Anton uh, Anton syndrome, I think is what he called it. Uh, I'm telling you, I was I was kind of sad when the book ended. It was that good. Yeah. It was a really, really good concept. And uh, uh, I enjoyed it uh, immensely. Um, uh, Adam Grant's a great follow on Twitter, too, if you don't if you don't follow him. Right. He, he puts, puts a lot of great nuggets on there. Yeah. I agree. I, I, he did something, I think it was at the end of uh, the year this past year, so it had been 2021, 20, and I don't know if it was like 15 lessons or 20-something lessons I learned, and bro, it was like a, a tweet thread, and man, I went through all of them and retweeted a lot of them because they were so, so good. Um, and if you're out there listening, Ramsey, I went ahead... Um, I mean, you've been texting since then, but shout out to Ramsey Callahan, our first guest that we had on the podcast. And we talked about Undaunted Courage by uh, Stephen Ambrose. And man, I read that. That was either this, it might've been the first, it might've been the first book I read this year. And it took me all of the 14 days to get through it because we wasn't working and I was reading a lot while I was up there on those roofs. And so I, I had less reading time, um, but man, I absolutely, I, I, I enjoyed Undaunted courage. I, I, I was. I did not see the ending coming, and I guess I can see why there's certain parts of history that um, gets talked about, <laughs> you know, and and you know, and some that don't. And man, it was it, it was such a good book. I thought uh, Stephen Ambrose. And I'm going to get uh, some more more of his titles. I saw something the other day. I'm thinking. I'm trying to remember what other president he did. He, he's got a presidential biography that I saw recommended to me. I'm probably going to get it because I really enjoyed his writing style. So. 
Kudos to Ramsey Callahan on that great recommendation. I enjoyed it. And if you like history and biographies, I think you would enjoy it too. So that's Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose. Um, let's talk about our books now uh, that we're uh, – uh, well, before we do, we, we said we were going to do this. Um, we we – talked about at the end of the year, uh, how many books we read and, and, and the reading challenge that we use on the Goodreads app. If you're not out there using Goodreads, we recommend that you do that, you know, way to chart your reads and your, uh, you can connect with some of your friends. You can connect with me and me and James here, and, um, we can talk about the books we're reading and, and re- review them together and, and like each other's statuses when it comes to what we're reading and, um, or, or laugh at them when they give them a one star or two star. Um, uh, but, uh, they give you a, a the beginning of the year. You have a uh, a time there to set a reading goal. And so last year I read eighty nine books, and it's my biggest reading year ever. And this year I went ahead for it, man. I shot. I went for the moon. I used to. You know, you ever play rook growing up? Or your parents played rook? Oh yes. My what what do they call it? Shooting the moon. Shooting the moon. Shooting. The, I'm shooting the moon, man. Shooting the moon. Twenty twenty two. I'm going to read a hundred books. That's what. I, that's where I'm at. Wow. <laughs> Big goal there. <laughs> I'm shooting the moon. They ain't gonna call it. You know, <laughs> shooting the moon for nothing. I'm going. I'm going all out. And uh, and so I know I'm. I have to read about two books a week <laughs> and right now i'm on pace uh on something i'm doing and i'm not cheating i don't feel like this is cheating even though I'm, I'm going to defend myself like i am cheating here um i i have i, well, I started off with a, a long book and it took me 14 days to read it and there are a couple of pamphlets in there I, you know what's funny is like it's the other book that, that, that's what other people are reading <laughs> it's not like i'm going and looking for small books but some of them come up i'm like i'll read that and like say something like a letters to the church by francis chan I absolutely enjoyed it. Some people could write. Well, I remember Steinbeck that the, of right. Mice and Men. That was yeah. a small book, man. It's powerful. It was really good. And so if somebody can get in and get out, you know, they can do it. And so I read, I read a couple like uh, Letters to the Church was actually one of them, and I really enjoyed it. But it's like a four or five hour book, and so it got on the count. And so I'm probably <laughs> going to mix in. I'm still going to read my long biographies that I enjoy, but I probably will mix in uh, some uh, five and six hour books uh, uh, to get there as well. Um, and it's not, again, I'm not padding the stats. I, I, I'm enjoying those books. If I, if I don't like them, I'll, I'll cut them off. I won't do a Marie Kondo. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so what about you? What you got? So so last year I ended up with 80. Right. So when I was setting my goal this year, you know, I could have went a little higher and set a higher goal. But, I, you know, I, I was thinking that, that 80 might be an outlier. Yeah. So so I went down a little bit. I set my goal at 72. Okay. Which, which is you know that's an average of six books a month, so it's, it's about a book and a half a week. It's still though, it's it's more than the 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 goal that you had set the year before. Right, it's a higher goal than what I had set. Right, uh, right, so. right. Well, that'd be good. And so we'll, we'll definitely have enough content to cover here on the Pros Before Bros. And we'd like to hear from you if you have a goal this year, uh, some reading goal. Uh, it's not about uh, competing. Uh, we I, I try to challenge myself and compete uh, with the numbers that I've previously recorded. I know there's no way I can increase for the rest of my life. There's going to be times, you know, in seasons where I'm not going to be able to read as much. And so uh, I'm going to get while the getting's good right now while I got this job that uh, I can work by myself and get them in in my head. Um, I'm going to continue to do that. But it's, it's, uh, it's just challenge yourself. Don't don't, don't try to, to post big numbers. Do what you can. The best the best book out there for everybody is the one that you're going to read and the one that you're going to enjoy and the one that's going to get you into reading more books. So keep that in mind. So as we go from there, you want me to start off with my book tonight or do you want to go uh, take a swing at I know a little bit about what you're going to talk about. Do you want to start with yours? Yeah, I can start with mine if you so want So what's your, what's your book that we're going to be talking about <laughs> tonight? Um, so, so actually, I'm going to do something that I haven't done as a uh, as a discussion book on the podcast, I'm going to talk about a fiction book that I read. You know, okay. we did an episode on fiction where we talked about what kind of fiction we like. Yeah, and can we talk about fiction? And can we talk the, about fiction? So, so I'm actually going to do it. Yeah. Spoiler, <laughs> but but I'm, I, I believe I can talk about this book without spoiling it. 
uh, if someone wants to go and read it now. And when we talked about fiction, I did say that I really enjoyed reading John Grisham. Right. And so uh, the first fiction book I read this year is one of his more recent uh, books. Uh, it's a book called Suley. Suley. Okay. S-O-O-L-E-Y. Suley. Doesn't seem like a normal Grisham title. And, and, and it's not a normal Grisham book. Really? Um, and when I, when I got it, I didn't know what it was about. You know, it's John Grisham. It's a new book. I got on the waiting list. Uh, I've been on the waiting list for several months. It finally came available. And uh, this book, most of Grisham's book, if you've read any of his things, have to do with uh, courtroom dramas, right. you know, like and, and things and, that yeah. center around the, the lawyers and different things. But this one is not. Uh, this one is actually a sports book. Okay. Uh, this one, and I'll just read you the little blurb. Uh, it says, the New York Times bestselling author John Grisham takes you to a different kind of court in his first basketball novel. Samuel Suley Suleiman is a raw young talent with big hoop dreams and even bigger challenges off of the court. Let me guess something here. Okay. Okay. So I, I like watching uh, and reading about counterterrorism stuff. Suleiman uh, is usually like an Arabic or uh, it's a couple. It's been a couple uh, like a couple of things that I've watched. Suleiman was a, a terrorist type name. So does this name is it indicative of some culture that's not being received on the court or in the the community that he's a part of? Um, not exactly. Okay. Kind of and kind of no. So actually, he is. Uh, from South Sudan okay. is, is where he originates from, very, from a very poor uh, village. And he was selected to play on the, the under-18 uh, Sudan, South Sudan national team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he wanted well, to try out for that. The book starts with him being selected to try out. So he tries out for that team. He gets on that team. And as a part of that team, they travel to America, right. uh, to Orlando, to play in a showcase tournament against teams from you know, under eight, eight, under 18 teams from all over the nation, all over the world, actually. And so he plays in that tournament. <clears throat> so while he's in America, uh, South Sudan is was in the midst of a civil war. Mm-hmm. And so while he's in America, uh, some some rebels attack the village where he lives and just completely destroy it. Oh, wow. Like, like his... You know, his father's killed. Uh, his his brothers and his mother end up in a refugee camp in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and he's in America and, you know, playing in this basketball tournament. So, so while he's there, his coach is trying to, you know, find one of the reasons for this showcase tournament is for college recruiting. And so his, his national team coach is able to get a good friend of his at this university, a small uh, historically black college in, in North Carolina to take him. And just give him a scholarship so he can stay in America and not have to go back in the middle of all that. And so, you know, he's kind of a raw talent. And so he takes him. They're going to redshirt him. And, uh, you know, the story goes from there. Okay. And and so So that's just a setup. Yeah, that's the setup. Like that's the first couple chapters. Yeah. You know, and so then so his goal, his goal is in, in, in the book is he wants to be successful in America so he can get his family out of that situation and, oh, wow. and, and bring them to America. Man, that, that's, that's got a lot of uh, compelling. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I, that's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, that's, you know, a four way, what do you, how do you say it? A, a foray into the sports world after being in the legal world like that. It did. It, let me ask you this. Did he, did he seem like to write with authority? Like he wasn't like a, like a lawyer didn't never watch basketball game. Like, it, well, is it, is it and, cheesy? It, is it? Well, I will tell you this at the, this is the second sports book of John Grisham's that I read. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the other one was a book called Bleachers. And in that book, he wrote about uh, high school football. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. He, he is a masterful storyteller. Yeah. 
and and he and you know you can tell he's done his homework and he, you can tell he's a fan. He, yeah. he he is a fan. And in the afterward of the book, he talks about why he writes these books on sports because he wanted to play. Okay. And he says he couldn't. He wasn't good enough to play. Yeah. But he is good enough to write it. Yeah. And so so every now and then he likes to do a book. And he I think he's done four. Okay. Uh, books on different sports. Man, how many? Like, this could be a guess. And you know, you got your laptop open if you want to Google this. How many? Like how many books are in the Grisham catalog? I mean, it's got to be. I don't. I mean, I would say getting maybe I, if I had to guess, I'd say somewhere around fifty or something. I mean, my lord, I know all the titles that are just movies. You know, he's got to have like one of the most expansive titles of anybody uh, still writing. Um, to be able to say he's like, I've got four basketball books, and that's the minority <laughs> of the things that he writes about. Right. He or, has or, written. It says over forty. Over forty. Over that's forty. Wild. Yeah. Books. That's wild, man. That is so wild. And so. Let me ask you this, like comparatively to the heavy hitters that you have read, like the legal stuff where he's, you know, the, his wheelhouse or whatever, would you put him on par with that? Or is it, does it feel like a different, even like a different writer? No, no, it's, it was good. It was good. It, um, it was, you could tell it's his same, his same style of to- storytelling. Yeah. And, and he has this certain thing where he will, you know, from one chapter to the next, you know, his books don't just follow one person's point of view. Right. Like he, you know, basically his books are typically written, uh, in the third person omniscient mm-hmm. uh, point of view, so you know he's telling the story, but he he knows people's thoughts and he, right. he knows what what all the characters are thinking. Yeah, and so he's able to kind of give you the story from that aspect. And okay, then, but it, you know he he does a very good job, and and th- there are some twists and some turns, and you know some things in the story that catch you off guard. I'm not going to give any spoilers. Yeah, here <clears throat> on the podcast, but you know, well, let me uh, ask you this because we're we're we've been talking about it for you know close to ten minutes now. Is like give me the worth the read. Is like I feel like you're you're landing yes, on. Yes, yeah. Uh, I rated this book on Goodreads and I gave it five stars. Oh, wow. uh, okay. I absolutely love the book. I would recommend this book. I think it is worth the read. If if you're if you're a basketball fan, it's worth the read. He mm-hmm. he does a good job. Um, <coughs> excuse me. A lot of the there's a lot in the books with the games that are actually being played, and so and, and you know and, and he he makes the games exciting. You know, he, and he goes into the detail on that. And so as a sports fan, you'll like the book. Yeah. But I don't think you have to be a sports fan to enjoy the book because there's such, there's so much, there's a lot of of things that he has to overcome and the drama there's that's like going human, on with his life and his family. There's a human interest element to it also. Well, let me ask you this: um, talking about refugees and immigration and that type of thing, that, that's inherently a political uh, question. Does he inject politics at all into it? Because I think I would enjoy something like this if it come from the point of view of somebody struggling to get in, and he's got a lot of heart and calls, whatever. And and even if it didn't, wouldn't to me, it wouldn't matter who was in the White House, whether it be Republican or Democrat at the time. Just to know, you know, there's a this story of resistance. He's trying, you know, and all because you know, you think about immigration, it's got to be a bureaucratic mess, you know, a nightmare, especially when you get into like civil war and refugee status and stuff. Is there any political like? ideology that's interjected or injected into the book i don't know so much political ideology um i mean there there, there's politics discussed because you know you've got the civil war (coughs) you've got the different aspects things going on there in the country you've got the refugee camps and how people are having uh to live there you know the ugandan people you know are just having to take these people that are coming across the sudan border because of what's going on um and then there is the aspect of you know he's not an american citizen he's Mm -hmm. in america but he's he's on a student visa and uh, he's trying to figure out how he can get his parents over. And of course, they they you know they discuss some not exactly legal ways right. uh, to do it because you know they they 
it goes into the idea of how difficult it is to right. do it the right way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so that, that is talked about a little bit. And I won't go into to what happens and, yeah. and if he's successful and, okay, yeah, and I, all of that, because that, that might be starting to get into spoiler territory. Right, I understand. Well, this might be something that, that again, I don't do take many uh, uh, chances with fiction, especially modern fiction. I do the classics. and uh, But that, that sounds very interesting. I, I think I would like that. Uh, I think I'm going to give that a swing. Was it pretty available on? Uh, uh, I had to wait. It, that was a good wait list because I think it came out in 2021. Okay. Uh, so it's one of, newer, so it's one of his newer, newer books. books. So, okay. Well, so uh, spell the spell it again. S O O L E Y. Okay. S O O L E Y. And what that is? That's when he got to America. He, he had such a strange last name. His his teammates gave him the nickname Suli. Suli. Okay. Very cool. So worth the read from James Crocker. You heard it here. Go out there, especially if you like fiction. I actually read a fiction, um, a classic horror fiction um i think it was written in the 1800s i read it it was it was another one of those smaller books um but i had to make a flying trip to chattanooga last weekend and i listened to it on the way there and back it was the turning of the screw and uh i think uh i've heard uh the talk about the bly manor uh on other things that they've done recently uh never hadn't watched anything about it or whatever but it was apparently it was this classic some people i'm gonna tell you the reason i i, I, I um read it it was henry james was the author it was andrew clavin i know you like andrew clavin like i like he said it was the best horror book ever written and i was like well if clavin says that i gotta read it and so it was very um you know the way it was written i mean it gives you like a charles dickens you know that type of language at old english but uh, you could tell that like what used to scare people you know i don't know if we've become desynthesized to it or whatever but it was very well written um but i, I just thought of that when you said that about fiction i was like i did write a fiction it was a, it's a considered a classic fiction um this is going to maybe be the first time this has happened in prose bros history um but i am going well i better not let the cat out of the bag just yet <laughs> i'm going to make history just in a second stay tuned ladies and gentlemen but the book i'm reviewing is howard zinn's a people's history of the united states of america have you read this book no do you no. are you familiar I, i'm with not this familiar book? at all I've, I've never heard this book I, you probably have heard it referenced and 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 probably heard some students talk about it before. I've heard it in pop culture, and I've heard it in referenced in other books. And this is one of those books that I knew I was going to hate, but I had to read it. It's one of those ones that you read just to hear what the argument is sounds like and to be made. And so, kind of like if you were gonna read some Tanahashi Coates, it'd be the same idea. <laughs> Maybe not him. Actually, he writes really well. Probably maybe like a... Even Rex Kennedy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I, honestly, I'm going to read that book because I want to know the arguments. Like, I want to hear it from the horse's mouth as far as, like, I don't want to, you know, straw uh, straw man argument made by somebody else because I've read a lot of his blurbs from other people that were trying to, uh, you know, it's like, you know, like polemics that were attacking it, but I need to hear that. And so I was like, all right, I'm finally going to read Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. And let me say this. And this is where I'm going to maybe break, make, make history here. This is the second book in a row that I'm going to say, do not read. It is not worth the read. It is a <laughs> steaming pile of hot garbage. And, and, and I, I tell cannot, us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's my problem with Howard Zinn's, uh, people's history. Um, if you, if he called it Howard Zinn's a partisan story of America, I could read it and be like, okay, at least you were honest with me about what this is. This is not a history book. This is a 
pile of lies that, and what bothers me is the, how it become into like my consciousness, how it was recommended to me or not even, I shouldn't say recommended. I heard like young liberals recommend it as in like, if you want to know what really happened, you need to read this book. And I'm like, okay, well I've, I've read history and I think I know what happened. And so from what I, from what I gather is, and he said, he kind of says this at the beginning, but again, be honest in your title and tell us what you're going to do. I felt like he sees America as an evil, um, fundamentally evil, irredeemable country. And he, he makes the argument like everything that's happened in American history is, is tainted. Like it's whole cloth, it's it's baked in, and everything that we're seeing. As he wrote this in the eighties. Oh, that was my next question. I was going to ask when this book came out. I think he wrote it in the eighties, and so it starts entering mid eighties, the late eighties. It's being cited in in, in in schools, like portions of it. They can assign read this part for a balance. But here's the problem: <laughs> like you need to balance like maybe facts that lean heavy on one side of the story. You need to balance that with facts from the other side if you're going to balance it. But I feel like he takes a lot of anecdotal things and presents it as evidence to why his point's true. You're not going to believe this, James, but every every person he agrees with politically, they're the heroes of history. Nobody right, that he believes, right. nobody that he you know he sides with politically has ever done anything wrong. Like, and this is it, it, I was pulling my hair out because I feel like I have a balanced view of history. I know. That that no one's a hundred percent good and a hundred percent evil. I know that there there's a balance there, but I felt like he tried to go so far. So is the is this book presented as the far left version of things, or no. is it presented as coming down the middle? This is presented as here's the real story, and this is what bothers me because I don't think you could read this in college or like have any uh, higher education or have any life experience and take it seriously. I think it's written to naive high schoolers and freshmen on college campuses because there's an allure. There's this, um, there's a, like a forbidden nature of, well, let me tell you what really happened. And I feel like he, he cashes in on that. And like, basically imagine like someone coming in and ruin, ruining like, you know, the Santa Claus legend. And, 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 and oh, maybe that's a bad point because, you know, it's, <laughs> what are you saying? Kenny? <laughs> didn't, didn't think that one through. Um, but, but, but imagine though, though, it's like this, this quad like, Psst, Hey kid, come here. You know, you know, Christopher Columbus, a genocidal maniac. And that's kind of what the book is. It's like everything that like every, like <laughs> hero of the American revolution. So, so is, does, is he sourced with his material? I mean, does, does he cite sources when he says this stuff or is it just, he cites, this is what I think happened. This is no, he cites sources and he, there's a, there's a word and I'm going to, it's going to be strong language, but this is not a cuss word. Mom, please don't send me hate mail or come over to the house and slap me because <laughs> my mom, sometimes she listens to this podcast and sometimes I can get her, uh, get her up upset mom don't hate me on this but you ever hear the phrase that somebody can bastardize the scripture yes okay i feel like because i've read some of the source material that he quotes and i feel like he bastardizes like these large portions of like somebody's journal and eclipse like he's literally been been uh maligned after this has come out by historian after historian after historian saying that is not correct you are misrepresenting that quote so what you're saying is the fact checkers 
of Facebook today right. and Twitter right. would say he's taking this out of context. They, they should, but they wouldn't because they agree <laughs> with him politically. Right. That's the problem. That, that this book is not driven by a search for actual occurrences in history. It's driven by an ideology. And so this is, this, I would, it would not surprise me to learn that Howard Zinn was a member of the Communist Party. And that, you know, are you familiar? You were, me and you were in that class together, uh, the culture and crisis class that, that I was teaching at the, the church. And I mean, you have uh, aligning interests in, in, in some of those things. You remember that lesson we talked about the long march to the institutions? Yes. And so the idea is that after the uh, the, the Marxist revolution failed, when when started all these other uh, countries started uh, overthrowing, you know, nobility and, and, and you know, the, the proletariat rising up against the bourgeoisie, that that financial Marxism or economic Marxism failed. And so all the, the, the thinking Marxists, these intellectual Marxists, they get together and they start like, well, well, how could we have been so wrong? And they says, well, it's not going to be an economic thing. It's going to be a social thing. And so they, they, they devised a plan and it was called the long, long march through the institution. And so they were supposed to go. I would not surprise me a bit if Howard Zinn was some type of cultural Marxist and this was like a a, a step through the long march of the institutions. Because I'm sure I'm sure he's a professor. I think that that's uh, that's a, uh, in his bio on the book or whatever. I think he's a professor probably at some place like Columbia, you know, that has those roots or something like that. But I feel like it was like a manifesto. And the way that it's presented in pop culture, like it's like this is what really happened. And so uh, to me, it kind of fomented this whole uh, I'm not saying he's to blame for all of it, but I feel like it fomented this whole America's rotten to the core. And, and that's kind of what I get from the book and it bothers me. <laughs> so you, you think a lot of, a lot of the, what we're seeing in, in our culture today, where you got the 1619 project, different things like that, that, that kind of stems from this. Yes. I'm not saying that he was the, the, you know, the, the first one to do it, but I think he might be the most successful one as far as like an academic work, because this is legit. I remember, I think it was, what was the movie with um, Matt Damon as the genius um, Good hunting. That's it. He, I remember he's mentioned this book. And it was one of those, you want a real history, you need to read Howard Zinn's. And, and I've, I've heard other, like in shows and stuff like that, but it's always that, that rebellious, we're being lied to. If you want to know what really happened with George Washington, Thomas Jeff, you want to know. And like, I, I read like the, 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 the issue that I had with it is I read this book as an exercise of like, I need to know what, what they're saying that way. I, and bro, but I've, I've, I've read the biographies of these guys and they're not perfect. Absolutely. They're not perfect. But I feel like it's the steps that they took to a perfect union, to a, to a, to a, like they were moving in the right direction. And I hate what Zen did was he, he cast this cloud of, you know, of, of they, you know, they were evil and they, you know, had all these ill devised schemes and plans to keep certain people down. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, I think it set up the liberation of a slave class. I really right, do. Right. And, and, and so, and, and, and the thing is like, okay, because when you, when you judge those people by what's current in times, like you, you, you don't get a full picture of what, what they were breaking away from. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, I don't see, like, show me back in, you know, in 1776, what society was getting it all right. This is what bothers me about um, people that think like this. They want to. They believe so heavily in evolution, biological evolution, uh, evolutionary biology. Yes. The only type of evolution they don't believe in is the evolution of thought. 
Like, it's like, do you not believe, or you think physical, like physical beings take these steps forward in small increments in order to survive. And it's a survival of the fittest. What doesn't work for you dies, and what works for you is replicated and passed on to the next generation. So you believe this in the physical realm. Do you not, do you not, can you not apply that to uh, an ideological realm where, like, people evolve? And like, there's no way you can't make giant leap forward. You make a giant leap forward in physical evolution that you, that species will die out. You got to make small incremental changes. And so the idea was like, I've never understood how, how you don't under, how do you not make room for people to grow into their thoughts? What do you think? I've been thinking about that for a long time. I didn't mean to mention that on the podcast, but it's kind of been something I've been rolling around in my head. What do you think about that? Like a, 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 a evolution as ideas and like how, how do you kill, how do you kill a single cell organism? But like, oh, you're such, you're dumb. You're dumb. That's a very interesting concept to think about because you, you know, we don't arrive at thoughts right. in one, one large jump. We can look, we look back at it and we go, man, this was a great idea, but, but it took all of these, these steps and these processes to, to go through to get to it. Um, I've been reading a book this past week, which I may talk about on a different podcast with, you mentioned evolutionary biology and, and that's the, the book is written by evolutionary biologists, but they mention a concept uh, several times in the book of Chesterton's fence. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the concept I'm of not. Chesterton's fence? Uh, it's a CK GK Chesterton or whatever. GK. GK Chesterton. Yes. yes. Yeah, he's a- so here, here's what he said in one of his writings. He's orthodox thinker. He's smart. Here's what he said in one of his writings was that if you come across a fence and you do not see the purpose for the fence, you cannot remove it. Right. And, but what, if you want to remove the fence, you must first go and learn why the fence is there. And then I will allow you to remove okay. it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I know the. I know now I knew the, the I didn't know what it was called. I right. Know that that, was yeah, that, that's the con- yeah. concepts called Chesterton's fence. Yeah. And, and so the thing is, if you don't understand why previous generations did what they did, right. Then you have no right to try to undo what they did. That's really good. You know, uh, Peterson did that in his most recent book. Uh, he had a whole chapter devoted to do not carelessly criticize institutions. Or something like that. I got my, I'm beginning the chapter. Have you read Beyond Order yet? Uh, yes. I think that was a whole chapter. It was like, do not carelessly or needlessly criticize institutions. Like, you have no idea what it took to build those institutions and the small steps it took to get them. Like, it's, it's so funny. It's like, but like, uh, keeping with the biology thing, like, it would be so stupid for somebody to criticize a million years ago, you know, if you believe in, you know, Darwinian evolution, you know, these single cell organisms making all of life. Okay. Yeah, how dumb would you be? to criticize those when without that you couldn't get to where you are and so i think of that with thought processes and ideologies and like i'm like bro like did america start off perfect absolutely not but was it the most perfect form of government at that time 100 percent. like you can't you cannot point to a better government that produced more good for the whole of humanity is what and but that's what zen like i think he does really really bad man he he, he sits it's in it's like in the in the core of the founding. And like you mentioned already, like 1619, uh, or, uh, the 16, is it nine or 19? 1619. Yeah. 1619. It's, it's like same thing. It's like, man, like, where's the grace, you know, where was your views, what they were right now when you were one and two and three, when you were formulating thoughts, you never had a bad thought. And I think that's where, uh, where what's our society. And, I, and I've talked about this on the, the, my podcast is that when you get into this, this wokeness stuff, it's such a vicious religion because there's no grace. There's no room for growth. There's you know, no repentance. You know, if, if you think, that you are the same person that you, if you think you don't evolve in the way you think, 
Go look at your old tweets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Go, go, go access your old MySpace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really, really good point. But, but yeah, I just, anyway, so I look at that. I'm like, it's very easy to criticize some of the founding fathers for, yeah, some of the, uh, you know, contrary positions they were holding and espousing. But I've, you know, I've read several volumes on their specific lives and you can see the tension. They're not dumb. They were very, very intelligent. And you can see how they're trying to move it forward. And you could say, well, it would have been very easy if they just did this. I don't think we'd have had a country if they did that. Right. Like you don't you don't appreciate the, the situation. It's, you know, I'm not saying that it was right what they did. I'm saying like to get to where we are, I think they took the steps necessary. Now, did we ever take steps backwards? Absolutely. Did we ever do it wrong? I, I think we got some things wrong. But I think to to not recognize and appreciate uh, the good and Zen really did. I thought he was really it was really pitiful in that regard. So I do not recommend this book unless you are doing what I did and just want to see what they're saying. You want to see what they're saying. You want to see what this you know this whole uh, argument is about how evil the United States is. I'm, I'm kind of glad I read it, though, because I was scared that it would be more convincing, and it was actually laughable at times. Like, he was, like, stringing together um, timelines that didn't make sense. Like, he was very selective in what he would report of history and what he would leave out, and those things, to me, told as much as the point that he was trying to make, the things that he would leave out and not cover and kind of just uh, glance over. I think it told more than, you know, if you knew that history. That's the only thing that I would recommend. Know your history and then read this history and if it balances some there was some I don't, not, here's 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 the thing there were some things where it did offer as a counterbalance and made me think hmm. you know but the other parts was like man that's just long to me this kind of you know to take it to more of a, a theological standpoint you know that's why there's some things that that like you've said before even though they're good good things to read you wouldn't recommend a week yes or a new christian reading them because they don't have the prerequisite uh you know back knowledge I can't think of the word I was trying to say but they can't they don't have that background and that that foundation right. yeah they don't have the foundation to be able to realize wait a minute this 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 is not true that's a good point that's a really, really good point I had a conversation a couple of years ago with um, a new convert and he really wanted to get into the extra biblical books you know uh, of the Bible you know the the book of Enoch and, uh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And he's like, brother, just what do you think about these? And he was reading some stuff on it. And I love the guy. He's a great guy. And I asked him just point blank. I was like, have you read the Bible? Like all of it? And he's like, well, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'd start there, <laughs> you know, get, get, you know, figure out what Jesus is saying, figure out what the, the, the prophets have said and all that stuff. You know, this stuff is, they've been through a pretty stringent process. You know, there's, there was, you know, to get to Canon, you know, there was, there was some weeding out and then go back and, you know, compare that with the books of Enoch or, you know, whatever Thomas or, you know, these lost gospels, so sort of quote unquote lost gospels. And then kind of that way you, that way you have something to compare it to and you yeah. can, you can use. So, um, man, we are we are 35. Okay. I think we've, we've talked about it enough. So I had a couple, uh, a couple not, uh, no recommends and oh man, we're three for four on no recommends because didn't both of us not recommend book on the last podcast. That's right. And so uh, James is the only person so far this year has read something we were, we recommend you read. And so that is John Grissom's, uh, Suli. So you guys uh, pay attention out there. And if you see that on Libby, pick it up. Uh, if you, if you want to read it, you better, you, you, as you're listening to this episode or as you're closing out, go ahead and put it on hold it said there was a little bit of hold there james any parting thoughts uh no not, not today it's good to be back in the swing of things we're sorry for the delay uh in january this should be posted in january and then we should be hitting our resuming our normal posting schedule thank you for listening thank you for supporting god bless